Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I am the Customer Advisory S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. If you are a consultant, be it SAP Services or at a partner, you probably yawn at all the talks about a new normal. Neither is working remote new for you nor the typical digitalization topics as cloud and automatization because you work and cope with it already every day. That's why I'm happy to welcome the president of SAP Services, Mr. Shane Paladin, to this podcast. Shane is a veteran of 20 years in the highly dynamic world of services and consulting and has been in executive management positions all over the world. So he is the person you want to discuss topics like the new normal for services, how the consulting businesses has evolved in the last 10 years, what is needed to be successful in the 21st century, and what consulting capabilities and skills are in high demand today and tomorrow. Awesome episode here at the SAP Experts Podcast, so please like, share, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Welcome, Shane Paladin. Hey, Alexander, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. Shane, we're, we're talking today a lot about transformation and you're heading a services organization of a five-digit number of consultants and staff. And of course, we are heading now, at least in Europe, straight into the second lockdown within mm -hmm. nine months. How much has your personal adaptability been challenged? Oh, you know, that's a, uh, it's a hard and an easy question at the same time. Um, listen, trying to manage a business from home, let's be honest, it's really hard. And if you think about services as a whole, um, we became a new services business right when the first lockdown happened across Europe, North America, and most of Asia. So with that, it's something we've all had to kind of learn together. And you know, on a personal basis, it's, it's been pretty difficult in a lot of ways. For me, um, on a personal level, I actually had to move from Europe back to North America uh, for my family. My, my kids needed um, the right level of assistance and care, which we couldn't get in a lockdown situation there. So trying to make that transition was stressful. And then, you know, finding work-life balance. It, it's something that I work with all of our team on every day. I mean, if you talk to anybody, whether you're a consultant on the ground or you're a leader of any sort within services every day, they're like, where does work and work begin and end? And where does home begin and end? Because it all just sorts of bleeds, it bleeds together. And so, you know, I've spent a lot of time trying to make sure that, you know, you don't lose yourself through this process, right? And then, My role, right, is, you know, from a servant leadership standpoint is to remove roadblocks so people can do their jobs, right? And so every day I'm sitting here trying to make sure how can I help everyone else have their best experience and be their best self? So to be honest, it's been one of the most challenging, but honestly rewarding um, challenges and jobs I've ever had. So when we talk about COVID and the phase which may come after this, we're always talking about something like a new normal. Often, of course, you get the impression that a certain kind of new normal has 
already been there for SAP services long before COVID because um, the consulting business has, especially in the last 10 years, changed a lot. Um, things have been shifted from like selling man days to selling services. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your outline on how the business in your aspect has been involved in the last 10 years? Yeah, and, and for me, I feel like our business was a bit more future-proofed and I would say pandemic-proofed than others. So if you even just take a look at our business performance to date, we're doing a great job. I mean, you know, the contribution to the company has been amazing. The, the need and desire of customers to want to work with us, not only continue the work that's ongoing, but to do more. And I think the reason why it comes down to You know, going remote has been in our DNA for a long time. And as we've sharpened our skills, we've been able to automate more things. We've been able to um, take a lot of the human grunt work out of a process of implementing our software. And so we were able to kind of flip the dial pretty quickly to doing things remote. And then if you look at the resilience of, of our consultants on the ground, for them, they were already working in a remote fashion. I mean, the life of a consultant in many ways, on a Monday or a Sunday, you get on a plane and you know, sometime between Thursday and Friday, you're back on a plane coming back to wherever home is. But a big portion of your work has already been in a remote fashion. And if you're running a global engagement, you're doing most of it remote. You may be at the customer site, but everyone else is somewhere else. So again, it kind of played to our strengths. And, and for me, kind of going forward, I think that um, what you're seeing is customers want an outcome. And where we're trying to take services is away from, like you said, the mandate portion or technical bits and ends and focus on the business value that we drive. And if you do that in the right way, customers view us a little bit differently. They don't see us as a consultancy. They see us as a business partner. And in that partner, in my view, the power of services for SAP is never about a discrete event. It's not one project or even moving somebody from ECC to S4. What we as services strive to do is to be that red thread. If you've ever looked at an old book and you look at the spine of the book, you'll see there's one red thread. It's that red thread that ties and binds together all the pages in the book. We as a services entity need to be that red thread over decades of customers. We wanna be that advisor that helps them move every step of the way and transform their business. So I think being able to do so in a remote fashion, being able to shift what we do more towards outcomes in a remote fashion, I think sets us up for the future quite well. I was approached lately by a customer who was interested in what, what services is doing now. And he said that he had the impression that there has been a shift like from doing the big projects. Mm-hmm. Of course, services was very interested in like 10 years ago to more of a holistic business guideline and guidance that yeah. SAP services offers. Do you agree with that kind of impression that these customers have gotten? Or <clears throat> Well, you know, it, that is a very valid position from a customer, but let me address it in kind of a different way. So we are the services arm of a software company. 
depending on the region of the world this customer sits and the maturity or complexity of their business, their viewpoint on us is going to vary differently, right? So for instance, there are parts of the world, think of the Southern Hemisphere, parts of Asia, parts of Africa, parts of Latin America, where the skill set of the ecosystem isn't where it needs to be. Just the general availability of people who know SAP isn't where it needs to be, right? And in a lot of cases, our main purpose and role there is to be a market maker. It's to go into these markets and help customers get from point A to point B as quickly as possible with as little complexity as possible. So if you were to talk to customers down there, that would be kind of their perspective on us, which is how do you help us do? So we're almost more a full service kind of entity in those places. But if you're in North America, or if you're in, let's say, parts of Western Europe, you're going to see the customers view us in a different light. And, and some will view us in a pure advisory capacity because they're going to go, listen, I'm happy to work with the ecosystem. They have the skill sets to do these things. But what I really need you for is that differentiated piece, that design architecture piece, that, that deep understanding of industry that they may not have. And in some cases, what you'll find, and this is quite interesting, there's been a trend, I'd say, over the last three years. If you go to our most embedded customers, those that are at, let's say, the top 200 customers in the world, what they're saying is, hey, SAP, I want to work with services in a more end-to-end fashion because I feel that there's more value in working with the, the software vendor holistically than piecing it out. And so you'll find customers approach us in that way. So I, I think what you're seeing is kind of a confluence of all these different things coming together. And for us, <laughs> we still need large deals. And the reason why is that we need to go out in the market and show people how to do them the right way, right? It, there's a very different motivation between SAP services and let's say in Accenture, our business model is hinged on how do I get customers live as quickly as possible? In, in a cloud context, there's a couple of events. Yeah, you sign a contract, but the first thing you need to do in a cloud environment is get to that technical go live point, right? And the way that we're looking at it from a service standpoint is how do we embed services into the product so we can get the customers to that point as quickly and as easily as possible. The next checkpoint is, okay, now I got this thing up and running, but how do I get my first proof of value out of that, right? And so that's for us helping customers get to that point. And then the next value point goes from that initial point of value to you know, mass consumption of the software. And so from our perspective, what you're seeing is customers are realizing that the technical bits aren't the constraints to getting to that proof of value or that mass consumption. It's really the business and industry knowledge because customers at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, my system can debit left, it can credit right, it can, <laughs> it, you know, supply chain, I can order things, whatever it may be. But where they're really coming after us per se is to go, give me that deep industry content and knowledge that makes it so valuable for my 
my internal user base so we can amplify the business. So that's the big, the big shift I'm seeing. Could I rephrase what you just said into the IT part? Sure. This is just commodity, but to bring the horsepower of a solution to the street, this is how good you implement the industry and the business aspects of that kind of solution. You, you bet. So I was, it's funny, um, in a, so you and I are doing this today. A couple hours earlier, I was having a conversation mm -hmm. about industry cloud with a customer. It was pretty funny. And, um, you know, they're, they're trying to wrap their head around You know, what does this whole thing mean and is it valuable? And they said, okay, you're the services dude. Explain to me services dude, how you do put this thing in action. <clears throat> so I took a step back and I said, listen, the future of services and the future of your future with SAP honestly has little to do with SAP. What your job to do is to assemble the future. And we're the toolkit, the business platform that enables you to assemble it together. I think it was Deming that said, the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed, right? And so let's take Tesla for an example. Um, the concept of an electric car has been around before combustion engines. Yeah. Matter of fact, Daimler's first car was an electric car, yeah. right? Porsche also. Porsche. Same with Porsche. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the thing that you have to understand is what Elon Musk did is he did process innovation. He sat there and took complementary assets, you know, uh, a charging network, um, battery technology, all these other things, and he assembled them into a way that was novel. None of these things were new. It was the order in which they were put together that was new. And it was that process innovation. And so I think that's really the power of services with the customer. And I explained to them from an industry standpoint, like our industry cloud and whatnot, the value there is I don't know any companies today that are like, yep, I'm wholesale distribution, 100%, you know? No, what we're seeing is the, the industry lines are blurring and our ability from a business context to help them assemble all of those parts together so they can get a leg up on their competition and go out to market with something that's new and novel is really what SAP does. I just think we do a really bad job of explaining it. I want to challenge a bit what you just said, especially when you get or you hear the feedback from customers who've worked with us together for like decades and yeah. they have sometimes the, um, let's say the impression that traditionally I'm oversimplifying a bit now, but yeah. I guess you get the point. Traditionally, SAP talks with the IT. To realize what you just said, of course, then SAP consultants have to also, of course, more put their emphasis on business, on business user, on yeah. the whole, let's say, context outside the normal, let's call it SAP comfort zone. Is this something where you say this is already has happened all the time in the last years where we have shifted this kinds of, of uh, focus more to business topics? Or is this something where we are at the moment in some kind of, uh, let's say, transformation where we reimagine SAP services more into that kind of empowerment ability direction? 
Yeah, so we're, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of a transformation within services, but I also think the market is as well. So for instance, in the past, customers would come to us and we had to manage the whole stack. You know, we'd have to sit there and, and, and go down, even down to the network layer, we were telling them, here's how you need to architect and do things, very technical things. If you're sitting on a hyperscaler today, if you're with Microsoft and Azure and SAP's on top, you've just removed that complexity out of the domain of the customer and out of our domain from a consulting standpoint. And what Microsoft is doing is saying, I got this, right? So what you're seeing across the board as we move to cloud and as we go to market, we're refocusing both the customer and SAP on just what is the main thing, right? And customers no longer want us to debate about, you know, the, the infrastructure setup or want us to talk about more of the technical run. They want to know, how do I extract the most business value out of this platform? And that's been going on for a number of years. <clears throat> now, what you're seeing is those customers that are embracing hyperscalers and, and looking to focus their IT apparatus on business, well, will mirror what we're talking about here today. And effectively what I'm seeing is we actually have to help them along in that journey. We have to sit down with them and go, I'm happy to have these discussions on a very technical level if you want, but is it really valuable to you? At the end of the day, if we sit down with that CEO or that CFO, do you think they're gonna care about, did we go standard or create a Z transaction for one specific piece in your supply chain? Or are they gonna care that we were able to save XYZ money across and, and reduce timeframes by this and all and like, that's what fuels the technology investment. And IT departments now wanna be seen as being innovators and helping to drive the business. So I think you're seeing all of these things, market conditions kind of come together that play into our transformation, which is to go out there and help people extract the business value. We will always be deeply technical. We will always have deep industry content. It's just how you package it and how you present it is changing. When we're talking about today, which is like November, 2020, um, we of course have these kinds of two contradictive movements coming together. On the one hand, many people say with now the crisis we are in, probably even the last person has gotten the message, what digitalization is all about and why is this necessary yeah. and that you cannot stuck in the past, but you have to move. On the other hand, of course, since we are in a crisis, money is tight and, and people look really carefully where they spend their money. Uh -huh. To accomplish that, what you've just told, do we need now a different narrative than we had like before? Or do you say like these are topics which are as important now and maybe more important now as the non-crisis times? And um, we can like continue the way we do digitalization without really putting this into the context of the actual situation now. All right, so let me, how to best tackle that? Let me, okay, how about this? <clears throat> so, you know, if we, let's walk through a little history. So we had the dot-com crash, early 2000s. 2008, we had 2008, 2009, we had the financial crisis, and here we are today with COVID. Mm -hmm. 
this is now my third rodeo through, through seeing kind of these adverse economic events. And what is playing out across this, which is the same, is that when these moments happen, it focuses our customers on the main thing, whatever that main thing is. And so a lot of discretionary budget goes away, like you said, but what customers have figured out is, okay, I need to only invest in things that are accretive to my business and increase customer intimacy with my customer. The great thing about SAP is we are essential to all of that every day, 365 days a year. So for us, it's actually a renewed you know, interest in SAP. And let me give an example. So um, when the lockdown first happened in March, I was living in London. Um, I've been very fortunate with my time at SAP that I, I lived in Asia and ran businesses there. I, I lived in Europe and, and ran services there. And I'm now back in the United States. Um, so, and originally I'm from the United States. The e-commerce experience in the UK was horrible compared to what I had in Asia or what I had in North America. And what was quite interesting is we SAP were working with a lot of the, you know, just try to order food in the UK when you're stuck at home. It was an atrocious event. We were able to go and help customers and do amazing things in a short period of time to change that customer experience, to help them sort out their supply chains and do all of those things. And we're even continuing to improve it today, right? So customers are now focused on what I was talking about. In that microcosm, they had to accelerate. And so what did they do? They came to SAP. And you know what the beautiful thing was? They didn't say, I wanna create some bespoke beautiful system because I wanna be a unique unicorn and snowflake in the world when it comes to customer experience and supply chain. They said, give me the industry best practice. Give me what's out of the box. Let me improve time to value to my customer. And it really forced them to sit there and go, what is really differentiated about my business? And, and, and the reason why I bring this up, this is a really important point for all of our consultants. And I think everybody with an SAP, our job, doesn't matter if you're in sales, services, support, whatever, when we work customers, is to help them understand what is core to their business and what is context. And through the pandemic, we've been able to remove a lot of that context. And as it relates to SAP, we're so darn core to their business, we now can go and win the battle for standardization, win the battle for going out of your box, having that clean core. And Customers are listening to it because right now, they're, if they're going to put a euro, a dollar, whatever currency into their system, it needs to have a payoff. And we are, without a doubt, one of the best investments they can make to get that payoff. So we're in, a, we're in an amazing position. And for me, the way, the way I look at the digitization, people are coming back to it and saying, does it provide something core to my business? Make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, wh when we put this then in context um, with another dimension, and let's talk about the whole cloud aspect. Um, of course, there have been 
in the past already, let's call it initiatives from services and from 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 consultants on into that direction to help customers to that direction. Um, what many people often oversee maybe a bit, they have been product initiatives. There are products which are done by services. Um, this is something, of course, or an aspect which is completely transforming the whole con um, services business too. Lots of customers ask, like, is there still a room for so many consultants and so for many services people when everybody is on the cloud or moving to the cloud? Yeah. So because probably there are not so many big implementation projects anymore. What is your strategy in that aspect? Are you afraid yeah. of this kind of, let's say, cloudification? Or do you say, like, this is the best thing that could happen for us? Uh, I think it's the best thing in the world. And, you know, <clears throat> I hope our consultants are listening to this right now. If anything, they should be excited about the future. And they shouldn't worry about, am I needed? What they don't realize is they're needed even more. And, and, and let me explain why. Even though cloud, you know, in an on-prem world, right, you have this big capital outlay up front and you go through a laborious, um, you know, implementation, unfortunately, and then they take a break and then they come back and do some more. And that's the mindset that most consultants are used to. The great thing about cloud, it drives a continuous innovation cycle. Yes, the, the contract duration may be shorter or the total dollar value of any specific contract when we work with the customer may be smaller, but it allows us to actually demonstrate our value much easier because we can go in and drive more outcomes, right? The other thing that you have to understand is that in a cloud environment, the culture of automation, um, you know, using technologies, AI, whatever it may be, becomes more and more and more. And so if I take a look at the, you know, 18,000 plus people we have in consulting, every one of them now has an opportunity to learn a new skill set that is highly valuable for the future. And their job is to turn into a scaling engine, right? Think about that. You know, it's not before in an on-prem world, it was a linear scale model one consultant going on site or doing one, one action to drive an outcome. We now have the ability to take these 18,000 amazing people and amplify them across a, mutter, a, a much broader breadth of customers. If, if I take a back, <clears throat> if I take a step back, let's talk about market penetration for a moment, right? In any given market, the most market share we have is 10%. But on average across the world, we're probably around five, maybe 6% of the total implementation on the services side for SAP in the ecosystem. What that means, 95% of everything that gets done, we don't touch. That's a dangerous thing. We don't know what's going on. Is the quality great? And, to be honest, and if you talk to any consultant, you, know, you have a 50-50 chance of them going, hey, the project I'm on is saving a customer from a bad implementation. I look at cloud as an amazing opportunity. If we can take services and embed a baseline in the subscription and then provide discrete outcome-based packages that allow customers to continuously innovate and go, I just increased from, let's say, only 5% visibility into our customers. I now have 100% visibility into our customers. 
we can then be the stewards and guardians of value and design and architecture. I think that us moving into the cloud, us digitizing, is finally going to unlock the power of services to transform and elevate the whole company forward. Because think about it, we have hundreds of thousands of customers. If we can understand what they're doing and we can serve them better and help them get more out of their investment in SAP, we all win. It's really hard to do when you're stuck in a 5% box. What I'm excited about is playing in a 100% box. How do you then position services against or let's say in accordance with partners is this sure. then in your opinion a competitive situation or do you say like um first the cake is big enough for all of us and um we want to be like a part of for our partners in that way that we want to give you or present you something of a guiding like where you also can develop into the yeah. direction um to get the horsepower of sap to the street so the ecosystem is good for the company and it's actually good for services. Let me kind of drill into the company bit and then I'll get to services. Again, we have 18,000 people within, within our services business. Just in SAP alone, Deloitte and Accenture each have over 100,000. They can knock on many more doors. They can do so many different things for SAP as a company as a whole than just our services unit. However, what we can do is become an amplification mechanism for that ecosystem. So I go back to the deep industry expertise. I go back to the, 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 the design architecture focus. These are high dollar, high value, very hard skill sets to develop. And we almost have a monopoly on it. Right? We're, in a, we're in a strategic position to go out there and own portions of the business that they can't do. And in some cases, is it competitive? Sure. Um, I'm happy to compete all day long. And, and you know what? Customers see value in it and they're happy to do it all day long too. Now, we will do large projects, we will do medium projects, and we will do small projects. The bigger issue we have right now is do we really want to do so many large projects in certain areas, right? Um, and, and is it more important to take our 18,000 people and spread them out across a larger customer base? Now, we ha all have financial budgets to hit and things to do, but there's many paths you can take to hit the target. You can do big projects all day. You can do a mix of small, medium, large, And the reality is from our perspective, it depends on the region and it depends on the industry and it depends on the maturity of the product and the ecosystem. So it's a multi, multi-variant problem to solve and we will execute across all those variants. So the way that we look in North America will be different than in Brazil, will be different in Japan, will be different in Shanghai. And we have to keep doing that. But ultimately, if I was to boil it down, I go back to that red thread comment. Our number one value to the company is being that consistent presence over the next decade plus, where they come to us and say, we have this business problem, how do we solve it? I once heard a customer saying like the, the existence of SAP services 
um, makes SAP not only a software vendor, but a partner. Mm-hmm. And do you think because of that, the expectations then that customers have to SAP services are different? Also, like in contrast to the big players like Accenture or Deloitte, because they say you got the SAP even in your name. So we expect from you not maybe a focus on the execution of the implementation. Maybe that also can be done by others. But the focus of guiding me to do the things right, to like, as an example, put my, let's say, diversification into the cloud platform instead in set coding into on my on-prem system and so on and so on. That kind of guide, that kind of, of challenges. I want to be challenged. I want to have sparring with my partner. Is this something of a different expectation that is brought to you, like in contrast to maybe other partners? Oh, guaranteed. I mean, have you met our consultants? They'd love to go to customers and say, you're doing this wrong. And I love them for it. That's what we have to do. Our customers don't want someone that's just going to come up and say, yes, yes, yes. They want us to come in there and say, you're doing things wrong and here's why. And so for me, I think the expectation is definitely that we are more the sparring partner, that we're kind of that guardian of value and architecture. And, you know, here's a little tease to the entire community. Um, Coming next year, come January, we're going to put huge focus and we want to own the the clean core market at the end of the day it is services job to go out there and we need to set the standard for what clean core means we've got as we've got scp right we need to strip out all the complexity i don't care if you're on ecc or if you're on s4 we're going to show a path on how to demystify the core use cloud platform to become a upgrade proof, future proofed uh, engine for innovation and get our customers to a point where they can easily move from A to B. And so for me, in a lot of cases, you go to a customer and they're, they're trying to figure out how do I eat the elephant, right? How do I go from this system I've invested so much in into S4? Well, in a lot of cases, there is a emotional and political debate based on decisions that were made a long time ago. So if we take this clean core concept to market and we show them a path where we can preserve that political and emotional thing and just move it over to cloud platform, then it frees up innovation in the core. They can go to standard and then we can move them. So I think everybody in services is going to tell that story going into next year. And more importantly, We're going to live that story and we're going to have the tools, the systems, the processes and the offerings to make it real. You were already giving us now a very good outlook into 2021. And I think also all of us, we hope that at least in spring dust will settle and things will get slowly back to normal again. What do you expect from this time um, and these months and years after what we will have been known as the COVID crisis. Um, how will your business and your focus look like? You know, everyone keeps asking about after. I, I think we're already in it. Um, let me, let's be pragmatic. The, the free movement of people is only going to work if there is a vaccine. And, you know, hopefully we'll have a vaccine here in short order. Hopefully, you know, a handful, 
hopefully weeks and not months, but you know, let's just say early next year to be, to be you know, pragmatic and cautious about it. Even next year, the ability to us to go to billions of people around the world, inoculate them and do this is the easy part. How do we then translate that into public policy? How do we allow the free movement of people, let alone, let's take Germany, for instance, from North to South, East to West, how do I get, you know, how do I know to let people in through different borders and doing different things? It's gonna take time for the public policy to ca catch up with the health reality, right? So I think the majority of next year isn't gonna look a whole lot different than this year. So that's gonna give us, and the reason why I say that, now we're two years in to this remote experience. In a lot of cases, we will have refined and found where there's value in it. Now, trust me, there are deficits all day to working remote from a mental health perspective, uh, but also from just getting stuff done. I think what we'll find going forward is a new balance between what you have to do in person versus remote. And I think we'll rebroker the value equation there. For me, um, I, I think like I used to get on an airplane almost every week and I would fly around and it was exhausting at times. I think that there's going to be far less business travel than, than we have before. I think, I think customers are going to be comfortable knowing like, I don't need you to fly to Brazil to have a meeting so we can sign off on something. They're happy to do it from their living room. So I think we're living it today. The only thing that you're going to see is a little bit more of a, a box around, these are the must do items in person. And then everything else will continue to optimize in a remote fashion. That's what I see at least. When we look at this time after, and let's talk about it generally as the 21st century. Yep. I want to give you the possibility now to play a little bit Frankenstein and uh, build the perfect consultant for yeah. these kinds of um, circumstances for the 21st century. Because I remember when I started my my jobs and we had these, let's say, um, this consultant veterans, those great haired folks there, they had sometimes a mindset like, for example, I'm a CEO consultant, not if I just CEO and I'm just doing this and that kind of version. So they were quite siloed in their, um, yeah. in their expertise and so on. They were very um, application or let's say component centered. Now everybody's talking about end-to-end -end businesses and so on. So what kind of abilities and capabilities are needed in the 21st century now when somebody wants to become a very good consultant? What are the expectations he will have to meet And especially how and where can those young consultants learn these kinds of needed abilities? So I, I when I think of the Frankenstein consultant, the best, <clears throat> the best melded together, there are three dimensions. The first foundational dimension is always going to be technical, right? You have to know the product. You have to be able to be not just proficient, but an expert in SAP. So that's never going to go away. So here's the good news. Everybody within services is already there. So check that off the list. The next portion is the business acumen. So getting down to the ability to help a customer drive to an outcome is a skill set we all need to work on, myself included. And I do this every day 
it's important. And within that business ac acumen, I would also say comes the industry acumen, the ability for us to sit down with an oil and gas customer and be able to articulate and translate that technical knowledge into a business outcome, right? That, that yields the result they want. And that's something where some of us are there today, but not all of us. The third dimension is around innovation. So kind of that, that Tesla or Elon Musk story, the ability for us to become architects of innovation, to really think about how do I help a customer? And this goes back to the business and technical acumen as a foundation for this, to help them take a look at existing processes, existing technologies, the way to combine SAP and their business in a unique way to drive a unique outcome is really the value that we have to provide in this century going forward. So it's, it, that's really what it comes down to. It's that technological foundation that you build the business and industry acumen on. And it's that innovator's mindset that allows you to be critical, not only of SAP, but also critical of the business to go, there's a better way to do this. If you can assemble those elements in your toolkit and you can be curious and thoughtful and, and honestly a bit contrary to the status quo, you will go and do amazing things for SAP and for yourself on a personal level. As a last question, um, when you put all of that together, how do you define a successful engagement between a customer and SAP services or a services organization. Um, is it project done? Is it partnership built? What are the aspects that are very important for you where you say, I want that we take focus on that? To me, it's outcome delivered. And outcomes are a combination of time, budget, business value. Right, it's really outcome delivered. It, you know, customers, to be honest, they in a lot of cases, they don't care um, about how we do it. And they care about the duration we do it in. But in many cases, they come to us and say, is this a three month thing, a six month thing, a nine month thing? They really just get back to the value that we derive. Because the reason why they bought SAP in the first place is it is best in class in a business platform that delivers standards across industries that enables them to run their business flawlessly. So for us, how do we achieve that outcome? That's the key. Perfect. Shane, thank you very much for being guest. Um, probably people now are very interested in following you. Yeah, so I think LinkedIn is the best, uh, best channel. And then honestly, feel free. Um, services loves to have people that are interested. We're, we're a growth engine. So, and, and, the per, and listen, my personal experience, this is my second time in services at SAP. I've been on the license side. I've, I've literally had every job in the company. And so here is my pitch to everybody here. Come and be a consultant. Come and work in services. Come give it a try. Because I guarantee you, you'll walk away 
with new skills that will help you not only be the best you want to be, but you'll help SAP be the best it can be. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, very interesting. Um, I hope you will have a great week and take care and still have, stay healthy. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alexander, very much. <laughs>